Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Palette Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and guests that shape the way we enjoy life. Hello. Welcome to Tech Tips, <laughs> sponsored by Bottlevin. I'm your host, Ilana Thompson, and my platform is called Palette Exposure. I'm a wine and spirits writer, editor, podcaster, really my favorite title is storyteller. I've spent the last couple of decades interviewing a variety of stars that comprise a beautiful wine constellation universe. Anyone from vineyard architects, viticulturalists um, to world-renowned vintners and winemakers. I did a calculation that's somewhat amusing. This past year, I've interviewed roughly 70 individuals. So that's like 3,500 years of collective wisdom if you average the age at 50. So I'm kind of imbued with that. And um, you certainly can um, get snippets of it uh, on palateexposure.com if you'd like to check it out. So we're of course recording um, in the age of COVID, um, which um, has essentially forced all of us to embrace technology regardless of our level of expertise. Um, so various forms of um, digital communication really became a matter of survival. And that new norm is certainly here to stay way past the vaccine has developed and such. Uh, the consumer behavior shift actually was well underway pre-pandemic and COVID certainly accelerated it and kicked it in high gear. Um, it amplifies the success of businesses that were practicing digital disruption and became a necessity for those that are not familiar with it. Certainly the word DTC became a huge buzzword um, for any small business because it became the main source of income. So here we are, um, a lot of us has to learn to function uh, remotely and platforms such as Zoom and Google Meet and WebEx became part of common jargon. Um, things like file sharing through Dropbox, Google Drive and others again became a necessity and were widely adopted. Instead of meeting each other face to face, um, we started utilizing platforms such as Slack and WhatsApp and Google Hangouts. And again, it became part of our social culture. In this new norm, which of course is quickly becoming an old norm, the question becomes what specific and actionable things can businesses adapt to improve their consumer relations and sales performance? So to answer that question, we assemble a team of venerable experts in a variety of métiers uh, who specialize in practical solutions and in lever and will help you leverage technological know-how for your business success. We, of course, are very aware of the permanent changes that occurred, but what hasn't changed and never will is um, human nature. And that is, we are visual creatures. Um, and that old adage, the picture is worth a thousand words lives on. Um, so we have a very special guest with us today, Lori Miot. She calls herself the chief amazement officer at Outshinery. It's a business that specializes in commercial, consistently exceptional and quite expeditious glam wine bottle photography um, and videos. Welcome. Hi. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm really excited. So as you mentioned, my name is Laurie and I'm the founder of Outshinery. And what, I, what I'd like to talk to you uh, today is like the power of imagery when it comes to telling your brand story and when it comes to sales. I find often, you know, photography images is considered as a, it's nice to have. Sure, it would be great to have beautiful photography, but it's often considered more, if you will, as like, like a vitamin, like not as a crucial part of like the whole like sales and marketing um, process. So my goal here is to help you like a bit that mindset and instead encourage you to look at imagery, brand imagery, so photography, it can be short videos, like visual content, as a real put, like, potential to bring extreme R, a better ROI to all your sales and marketing effort. So really consider it more as a painkiller 
you know, like that aspirin that you take uh, to like really solve some pain point and issues. So as you mentioned, a picture is worth words. Uh, We've all heard the saying before, and I'm sure you have heard it as well before, like, oh, don't judge a book by its cover. Truth is, it's in the human nature, we do. All of us right now, all the panelists, all the audience, we definitely do make snap judgment based on what it is we see. And the reason is really just evolution, like a sense of uh, view, like our eyes, our most developed sense that we have. People on average make a snap on what it is they see, if they like it, if they don't like it, in less than 50 milliseconds. It is valid in like both an offline and an online world. So what does that mean for wineries? That means that if you do not have great imagery or even worse, like lacking imagery, you are potentially right away um, giving a message that confusing the person on the other side and making it already harder uh, for them to you trust your quality and ultimately you know like putting like those items in the cart and like checking out so just like something that I would encourage you to deliver uh, to, to think about sorry and you know the reality is we work you know we love the wine industry out of the wine industry as you can probably pick up from my accent I'm originally from France Burgundy so you could say I've been starting drinking from a very young age don't worry it's totally okay in France it's even encouraged. Um, but the reality is, you know, I've been designing wine labels for the last 15 years in my past career, and it's just not easy to get that stunning bottle shots. Uh, it's just like strangely one of those products that is extremely hard to get photographed in a way that is enticing. And the reason is, you know, we've all been there, right? Point a camera, I have like the latest iPhone, the camera is supposed to be great, but then suddenly like you have the glares, everything the bottle or then like it's transparent whatever is happening in the background is weird and like and so on and so on and getting that perfect like imagery one time is hard enough then you bring out new skews new bottle getting it consistently done well even harder so after complaining about this for a long time i decided surely surely there could be a solution leveraging technology and this is like the, the purpose of this um, talk right now and Background story is one day I went to see Jurassic World at the movies. And when I left the theater, I was just, we can do dinosaurs. That looks so realistic, so great using CGI, computer generated imagery. Surely, surely we can leverage the same technology, the same technologies in Hollywood and bring it to the wine industry so that the economics make sense. You know, I'm pretty sure none of us have the Avengers budget <laughs> to spend on visual content right now. And that's how our channel was born. So what makes us different from a standard um, uh, photographer is that we do not need physical samples. Absolutely everything is created using 3D software. That means we do not need to wait for the bottle um, for the bottling truck to come, for the wine to be bottled. That means we can constantly have up-to-date imagery like vintage updates and so on that means consistently you have product photography to then fill your DTC platform with um, beautiful imagery and what does that mean for the consumer consumer can see at a quick glance and we're going to see some examples afterwards like with the other panelists um, you know like what you have to offer in your store you inspire confidence. People can read what's written on your label. They, you don't have nothing to hide. Like the quality that I'm sure of, you know, in your uh, wording, in like the care that you put in your wine uh, is being reflected all the way across, even uh, with your imagery. So bottle shots are great. They are a bit pedestrian, they're not very evocative, however. So I kind of call it, to go on on the Hollywood metaphor, it's um, a bit, think of it as casting Tom Hanks. So we've got Tom Hanks, that's your bottle. Great, we have the actor with all these beautiful finishes, capsules, levels. Now, if you just limit yourself to this, it's a great first step, but I would encourage you to even go beyond. Like, one thing that I love about the wine industry is that 
we sell wine. I know it sounds obvious to us, but uh, trust me, like, you know, like there's a lot of other things that people are trying to sell, maybe like pack of cereals or like other consumer goods. And the beauty of wine, especially in the times we live in right now in 2020, is that it offers a little bit of escape, a little bit of like, just like stepping out of like the, like the, you know, our house right now, quite literally. And that's why I would like to encourage you to also consider how your wine fits within that environment. And for example, what we do at our channery, again, leveraging technology is uh, what we call lifestyle images. So this time we pair up with uh, traditional uh, photographers and stylists that kind of create this beautiful bag um, onto which a wine bottle would be a perfect fit. So it could be food pairing, it could be a vineyard environment, or just like simply like prepping food at the kitchen. So we get those assets and then we will place digitally, again, think the Hulk in the Avengers, drop your bottle uh, into the scene to uh, create like a perfect um, lifestyle image that looks entirely realistic in only a few business days. So really, that's what we love doing at our channery is just like combining the best of both worlds. All the images are still crafted by hand by actual humans, but within like a digital, entirely digital environment. And um, what else did I want to say? No, I think that, that was like pretty mostly like what I wanted to touch upon. And I really like what I would like to leave you apart with, and I think you would be able to see through the other uh, talks right coming right after this, just like how can imagery can support and really alleviate some of the pain points without making it hard on yourself. The reality is there's a ton on the go right now. Like wineries have a lot to think of and I know everybody's time is precious. Uh, so if we can take care of, you know, like the, the hassle that it is to get imagery, uh, we'd love to do that. I encourage you to check us out. It's outshinery.com. Thank you. Yes. Your images are a whole other level. Absolutely <laughs> um, wonderful service and excited to continue our conversation. Up next, we have uh, Zach Campus. He is Commerce 7 General Manager. Zach is on a mission to deliver digital happiness. He believes that brand loyalty is created as a result of personalization and user-friendly experience. And that is the only strategic and sustainable pathway to driving sales. He will share his tips for best practices that will empower businesses to use a multitude of digital tools that are needed to create customer-centric shopping experience. Welcome, Zach. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, just to start off, I really believe that customer experience is the number one reason why a consumer chooses a brand. You know, in 2020, shopping has gone from a, a localized uh, experience to a globalized experience, right? Lots of people are shifting their shopping behavior from purchasing in person to purchasing online. And so it's a hyper competitive market now. And the number one way to stand out, the number one way to get a consumer to buy from you is to compete on customer experience, right? So when we're talking about technology, you should be thinking about how you can leverage technology to create better consumer experiences, right? And so today what I'm gonna be talking about is how to leverage technology to create better consumer shopping experiences, uh, specifically online, right? Great online shopping experiences, they have three key pillars. They're personalized, they're easy, and they're fast, right? So when you're talking about technology, you should be thinking about how can you leverage technology to create personalized, easy and fast online shopping experiences. So I'm gonna break down each one of these here. I'm gonna start with personalization, right? Personalization is essentially dynamically changing content and products on your site, dynamically changing how you engage with the consumer on your site based off your unique relationship with that consumer. And chances are you're probably already doing this in the tasting room today, right? If I come into your winery and I say, you know, you, you tell me, um, you know, hey, have you been here before? And I say, uh, you know, no, it's my first time. I'm really excited to try the Pinot. You wouldn't say, oh, well, can I, would you like to buy a bottle of the Chardonnay, right? Obviously that doesn't make any sense uh, based off the context of, you know, our, our very new relationship. If I were to come into the winery, say I'm a club member, 
does it make sense to launch into the, you know, the story of the winery, right? I already know what it is most likely. And so it doesn't make sense. And so in the tasting room, you're, you're using the context of our relationship, the context of, our, of my visit to kind of personalize how you engage with me and personalize my experience. Uh, it's obviously a better experience for me. And so you need to be doing the same thing online. There's lots of opportunities to do that online. Uh, you can utilize technology to start doing that online today. I'll give you kind of a short, quick example of, of what it looks like to utilize technology to personalize online. So I'm just gonna go ahead and share my screen here. And so imagine if this was your winery website, right? If I come to the homepage, it might look something like this. I got a nice you know, uh, image of the vineyard. Uh, I can learn about the winery. I can see some staff recommendations, right? If you have a relationship with me though, if you start to understand the context of, of our relationship and my, my uh, history with your brand, you know, you should start to utilize that data to personalize the experience I get on the site, right? So an example of this, if I were to come to the site here and I'll log in on one of my accounts here, we have a cookie-based login so people don't have to automatically uh, enter their username and password every time they come to the site on Commerce 7, they're just automatically logged in. But if I come to the homepage and you know who I am, right? Just like in the winery, if you knew who I was, you would greet me by my name, do the same thing online, greet me by my first name, show me some relevant products that are, that are relevant to me as an individual consumer, right? Show me some recommended products based off my purchase history, uh, you know, other data there, right? If I make a purchase or if I'm a club member, come back to the site, start to show me different content as well, right? If I came into your winery multiple times, you'd probably feel a little more comfortable uh, asking me to join the club. If I came into your winery, I was already a club member. There's no way you'd ask me to join the club again, right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so we can do the same thing online here. If I come back to the site and I'll log into my account that's a club member, right? Once again, greet me by my first name. But now that I'm a club member, you can show me my next package up front. You can show me some custom content here. You can invite me to a club only event, right? All the same things you might be doing in the tasting room, you can start to bring online. Makes a much better experience for the consumer. It also drives a lot of revenue for wineries, right? We collect a lot of aggregate data at Commerce 7. And we know that when wineries personalize on their websites, the chances that a customer adds a, uh, clicks the add to cart button goes up 16 and a half times, right? If you're personalizing online, you're driving a lot of revenue content you're showing customers, products you're showing is a lot more relevant. Chances they add that product to their cart go up dramatically, right? So kind of the first tip here, uh, create better online experiences, create better online shopping experiences by utilizing personalization. Uh, next thing I'm gonna talk about, right? The next pillar of a great online experience is uh, ease of use, right? Great online shopping experiences are easy. If I'm shopping on your website and I've added some products to my cart and I go to the checkout and I'm on my mobile phone and you show me something like this, right? You know, this is only gonna take me a couple of minutes to fill out, but obviously this is not a great experience for me as a consumer to have to fill out all of this information with my thumbs on my phone. And so if we're gonna create a better online shopping experience for the consumer, uh, if we're gonna make this easier, right? We're gonna revamp what the checkout looks like and how easy it is to shop on the site. So what we could do is have something like this instead. You know, I'm on the website here, add some products to the cart, go to the checkout, right? One click checkout, super fast, super easy. Uh, no typing is necessary. You know, even though the typing is only gonna take me a couple of minutes, nobody wants to do that. The conversions go way down. Uh, so when you make the more, you know, frictionless experience where it's easier to, to check out, uh, you know, your sales are gonna go up. The experience is a lot better for the consumer, right? Lots of great benefits there. So second tip, you know, sell more, uh, create better online shopping experiences by, by creating easier, uh, shopping experiences. All right, final thing I'm gonna talk about here is, is uh, you know, the final third pillar of a great online shopping experience is that it's fast, right? People like fast experiences. People are very impatient, uh, especially online, right? Every second matters online. In fact, we can go over to Google here, think with Google and we can see this great stat they have that a one second delay in mobile load time. So one second delay in speed on your site can drop your conversions by 20%. Right? You can be selling a fifth less online just because it takes one more second to load your website on a mobile phone. So people are super impatient online. Every second matters. And there's actually a lot that you can do to speed up the online experience, the online shopping experience, make it faster and give people a better experience. So I'm going to give you an example of, of something you can do here. Uh, so I'm just going to switch the screen I'm sharing with. 
because the tool that I'm going to show you does not like my Chrome extensions. So I got to go into a different uh, incognito window here. So there's a free tool that anyone here with Chrome can use today to see how fast their site is and what they could be doing to speed up their website. All you got to do is open your site like walmart.com here on a Chrome browser, right? You right click, go to inspect, right? All this fancy stuff pops up. Don't worry about this. You just go over to the side here and you hit Lighthouse, right? So this is the Lighthouse audit tool offered by Google, free to use, very easy to use. All we got to do is hit generate report. And what's going to happen now is Google's going to completely analyze our website. They're going to check it for speed, usability, performance, right? Everything here. So performance, this is speed. We can see that walmart.com does a great job of ensuring that their site's really fast. We've got 97 out of 100. And they do that because there's actually a stat out there that for every 100 milliseconds that walmart.com can shave off their, their user's experience on the site, their conversion goes up by 1% on the site, right? It has a really tangible impact. Uh, if, we're, if Google are, sorry, if, if Walmart were to have a, a poor experience here, right? What we can see below is opportunities where we can, uh, you know, enhance the site to cut off the time. Uh, it gets pretty technical, but you can send this to your designer. You can tell them to start implementing some of the recommendations by Google. And after those are implemented, it's going to speed up the site dramatically and it's going to create a better experience for your customers, a uh, better online shopping experience, right? So just to kind of recap, when we're talking about leveraging technology, I think it's really important to leverage technology to create better consumer shopping experiences, right? Customer experience is the number one reason why a consumer chooses a brand. E-commerce is a huge opportunity right now. There's so many people that are changing their buying behaviors to start shopping online. And so when you combine those, right, you want to capture that e-commerce market, you got to do that by creating better online shopping experiences. And you do that by having uh, personalization, easier shopping experiences and faster shopping experiences. Fantastic, Zach. So you guys have to remember the three tenets to live by from now on forward. Um, next, we have Dan Ceresio, who is an impassioned brand strategist and educator. He strives to facilitate the development of American wine culture by creating easy to use, to your point, Zach, digital platforms that deliver and enhance access, education, and engage consumers in a meaningful way. He's going to talk about how to create and maximize traffic and boost the brand digital presence utilizing a variety of social platforms. Welcome. Hey How's it going, everyone? I'm going to share my screen here. And, you know, before I uh, get into the presentation, I want to talk a little bit about how I got so passionate about this process. And it started out with me just as a consumer. Um, I got a text on my phone or a push notification on my phone for some random, uh, it was at the time I'm a dad, I, it was a random Barbie doll. And I was so upset that Google didn't know to send, not to send that to me. Now, of course, at the time, I didn't exactly understand why, and it was because they were searching on my account. But that's what really started getting me into this experience, this digital experience, and the imagery and the things that I was exposed to and how I wanted to be exposed to them as a consumer. Um, forward into uh, our presentation today and taking off uh, how we use the experience is really where it's at. We are luxury packaged goods. And I think that it's really important for us to consider how we deliver a luxury experience to our consumers. Now, there are a bunch of different social media strategies, but the one that I really want to focus on today is going to be an email marketing. Um, now, let's set up the scene, right? We're going to, before, we're, we're going to talk about the traditional method, or at least a scenario that I've been guilty of um, and still practice sometimes. Um, we're going to talk about steps in which we can enhance the process. And we're going to talk about the result that comes from it, and then how we can actually calculate the return on this investment. So let's just take a look at the traditional process. I just made a little infographic here, but typically this is what we do, right? We get a directive and it's a sales push, let's say. Uh, all right, we've got this amount of cases that we need to try and sell this week. Okay, we create a sales offer and we create an email. Let's say we're using MailChimp, okay? We create the MailChimp email and then we say, all right, we've got it. Let's send it to our list. 
or maybe we're doing a little bit of segmentation and we're saying we're going to send this email just to our non-club members and we're going to send this email over here to our club members later because they're going to be getting a different shipment. Let's say that that's a common uh, scenario. Well, after we send it, what do we do? We wait and we hope to see if people click and then we open up our email as a result and see what happens. That's typically the process. But I think that what we can do to enhance this in utilizing some of these tools is to dial it back and rethink, right? Like we used to have people come directly to our wineries and that's how we would engage them. We would have that rapport with them and we have to use digital tools now and we can use digital tools to get the same process. So let's first though, think about the customer journey life cycle. And I like to think of it in a, in a linear uh, process, right? We first go from the impression phase. Now this is in the digital world. It could be an ad on Facebook. It could be something that a friend liked and then all of a sudden your thing pops up and they just decide to see it on a, on a page. They haven't engaged you. They just see the impression of you. Or maybe they're searching in Google wine clubs with free shipping near me and they see your ad up top. That's an impression. Now, the next step, we're going to get them to do some form of engagement. Um, hopefully, we've landed a click. Maybe they've liked what we've posted that they've stumbled upon. And the goal is to get them to move into the follower stage. So it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. We want them to follow us so that then we can send them messages and engage them at whichever social media stage they're in, right? Um, or... Google search phase, the customer shopping phase. There's a bunch of different phases here, but when they're starting to engage with us, we're gonna then hopefully get them to our website. This is what's key, because if we've got a great story, we've got amazing imagery, if we have a great shopping experience and a fast box office that can collect, collect the money when they come and give them what they want, then we need to get the visitors. It's, it's, a, it's not a, if you build it, they will come, it's an if you build it, they will come if they know about it. So this is how we got to move it through this journey phase. Hopefully, once they get to the uh, website that we built, they've gotten experience. They may not have shopped for anything yet, but we want them to become a newsletter subscriber, at least for our email goals. Once we get them, hopefully they'll find a reason we will um, give them maybe an offer, a freebie. There's some strategies that we can go and utilize our emails for this um, to hopefully get them then to go from email offer to an actual customer, money in the bank. They actually physically decided to take us up on our offer and we, we've got them as a regular customer. Now, hopefully it won't be a one-time buy and we can get them into a membership and then phase seven is the inevitable at some point, customers cancel, and then they go back and somewhere fall along this lifeline. They, we might have to produce a new first impression because we did something wrong, or maybe they just had to save money that month and they're back just to being a converted customer. We haven't lost them in membership, they're just about here. These phases each have different communication needs not only by their persona, but by the actual stage of their digital um, journey with us. So as we start to go through that digital journey, we're gonna to wanna to segment these messages to each one of these phases. And there's different messages. These messages can be beautifully tailored. And again, it's, it's when we have a customer come in from our, um, from our in-person experiences, we can customize and deliver messages to tailor to our audience just for them. So we should be thinking about what are these messages that we should be tailoring to our audience. Um, very common ones are the welcome message. We usually send generic ones, email verifications. Um, invitations are a big one, especially now that we want to invite people to potentially virtual experiences, things like that. Um, so there's a lot of different messages and this, this can go into any part of that journey experience. And we would want to list out what are those email lists that we want to produce. And that's the first step of organizing ourselves. 
And we'll go back to our original look, our original slide here and take a look at our steps. After we isolate and get an idea of what that customer life cycle is, that digital experience that we're producing, and we map it out, then we wanna per personalize these messages. To do so, we don't have to just use email or rather uh, MailChimp. There are some beautiful, quick tricks to build gorgeous emails that are customized for every person, for every voice that you wanna to send to them. Going to the Envato market, um, you can get tons of different pre-made templates. So I'll show you a pre-made template here. And let's say you bought this template. We can literally now drag and drop and build these gorgeous templates and customize them to ourselves. Now, this is just a design and fashion one, but very quickly, just like a regular drag and drop system, we can modify this to our brand. From the modification process, we can take the code and don't let this be too scary for you. We can simply take this and let's say, oh, I'm trying to get this up here. Oh, sorry guys. It's not letting me bring it up. I'm trying to show that we can take this code, we can copy it, and then we can place it into any one of our emailers. And it doesn't matter what platform we're using. Now, there are some additional customizations that will need to be done, but once the template is done and we save it, let's say that we had Commerce 7 as our email. Now, we can produce these emails and show people customized emails that fit each and every single one of whatever one of these topics that we're seeking to, to converse with them on. And we can make sure that each one of these custom tailored emails are quick to the point and tailored to auto respond. Because once they're built once, it's like having an employee that works for you all day, every day, and it's done. The result of creating some of these different email templates are definitely going to sit on how to get their customer expectations. It's true, we as customers, if I'm spending $300 on a bottle of wine or $350 on a wine club shipment, I wanna know how things are coming through. I want an easy buying experience. And it's our job as producers, not only to make it as easy as possible for our customers to give us their money, but we want to make sure that we're communicating with them and, in, and giving them an experience just as good as if we were there ourselves or as if they were there themselves at our facility. Some of the goals that we can do are to aim for 25% open rates and aim for 20% click rates. A lot of people are aiming for 15, but we can really maximize these things. Also that we can try to get this 2% return on the buy rate. And that goal right there is where I sit as a goal to start really making can uh, start really making figures so that we can figure out how to map these things out. Because let's say that we had a thousand emails or a thousand, a thousand person customer list. And I'll zoom in here. Now this is a forecasting tool. And what we can do with our forecast is we can put in our email. Let's say that we sent out an email and um, we thought that the email was going to get a thousand people. And let's say that we think that 600 of them are going to open it and take an action on it. And then that leads them to the sales page. Mapping out this customer journey by specific entrance. And this could be remodeled. It could be from Google traffic. It could be from Instagram, from the top link. And we're tracking that link and every other action afterwards. Let's say that we had this 2%, and I don't know if you guys can see it, but we got a little 2% here thinking that we're gonna do our first sale. And let's say that sale was, oh, a package of $500. Second sale, 98% say, no, nah, I don't want that. But guess what, right here, we got their email. So we can send them an email offer afterwards with a downsell. 
maybe it's $150, $120. And 66% of them probably won't even click that email. So we'll just plan on sending them a re-email a few days later, in this case, a day later. So we can start mapping that out and think that maybe we can gain another 2% from that. This gives us the ability now to really map out what is our forecast. And then every month we can plug in our actual figures to track and see whether or not we've actually done what we were hoping. And it brings us back to the ultimate goal of helping individuals become a little bit better at customizing these messages for us as producers and suppliers of stories to figure out ways that we can um, not only automate the stories, but custom tailor these stories to each individual and the messages that we need to have individualized for each individual. And I uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Dan. How informative is that? So next we have our sponsor, Paul Salcedo, or I like to think of him as the most patient man, or at least one of that I know. He's been quite a vocal evangelist for the tech and wine fusion for as long as I've known him. He's a co-founder of Bottlevin, which is a mobile forward platform that connects producers to consumers um, in a very efficient but insightful data-driven way. His company specializes in marketing campaigns that utilize savvy scans and QR technologies. Hi, Paul. So, um, you know, what Lona said, so Bottlevin is a, a, a mobile first digital marketing t platform is what we've done. And so um, there's a lot of stuff we do. A lot of our platform focuses on mobile, either through our mobile app or through a mobile responsive website um, and ways you can digitally market through a bunch of different scan technologies, which is uh, NFC, QR code, barcodes, and image recognition, like taking a label and, and essentially pulling up a bunch of information for, uh, for your product. And so uh, what we're doing is we, our, our, our main focus was to get smart products and give you post engagement so your consumer can actually learn about um, what you, you know, what you're selling. And uh, in the real world right now, there's in retail, a ton of companies are doing this. Puma's example, they're doing it with their, um, their, their main, um, their main built, their main sales shopping up in New York with QR codes. Um, I have a bunch of you know examples. I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is focus on QR code right now. With the pandemic happening, you'll see QR codes kind of popping up everywhere. And um, as we support a bunch of different technologies for scanning, um, I wanted to focus on the QR code side of it. And so um, I'm going to go and share a little, you know, a little bit of, of what I'm seeing in today, and then we'll talk a little bit about QR codes and kind of how you know Bottlevin uses those. And um, I'll go ahead and share it right now. So. Uh, let me go and so uh, as I was saying, QR codes is kind of um, taking over the world right now. Uh, I was in Lowe's uh, and I don't know if you guys have Lowe's over there, but same thing as Home Depot. Um, but if you take a look at, uh, at they had a big display that kind of showed you how to do a bunch of different type of installations, you know, water heaters, uh, you know, generators, roofing, all QR codes right there. Um, I'm not sure how many of you are Hulu fans, but uh, that's kind of the TV service choice I have. Almost every Hulu service uh, ad that I see out there is includes a, a, a QR code. And this one's Apple Spritz. They actually have a QR code for you to directly order through that. So I don't know if no, most of you know this, but both your iPhone and your Android phones natively can read a QR code through the camera. So um, that's kind of you know a couple of ads on there. If you look at the, uh, go to the next slide here. Uh, let me go back here, there we go. Um, we have um, the hospitality and restaurant industry kind of has, I, everyone I've gone to since they've reopened um, are have kind of moved into the QR world. So uh, drink orders, bars, um, they are using QR codes for you to either do your orders or find their menu. Um, hotels, uh, this was right where the valet, you know, the valet entrance, uh, when you get into the hotel and it kind of shows you, um, scan this QR code one part at a time. And here's information about our winery and then the restaurant menu, 
um, which is right here. Is we uh, when I went into the hostess desk right there, you'll see right around this little small thing is actually the blown up version of that. But it was a QR code, and the hostess asked, "Do you want a a, a paper or a um, or you just want to use your phone to scan our menu?" Um, if you look at the you know two wineries, and 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 since this is a winery focused uh, you know on on information. Uh, we work with uh, a winery, Reynolds Funnelly Winery, and we actually did a promotion with them with a winery incentive. Um, if you take a look at this, it was a four by six postcard QR code with had you know a the incentive on shipping. Uh, if you look at Roundtable, you know on the top of their pizza boxes, you have QR codes on the top, and it's showing get rewarded. It's going to the rewards program. Um, and I'm sure everyone that's gone through Amazon, the majority of the, the smart people that are actually selling products through Amazon are putting these Amazon inserts in there and for you to get more and trying to build that brand. So it, it's about building the brand and, and, and talking and, you know, talking to your, your customers. Um, the last one, which is what, you know, we are, you know, this is about is, you know, wine, seltzers and spirits. Uh, we have a couple of, uh, we have a bunch of partners that we work with uh, and they, you know, we have um, about seven spirits and wineries that we work with and they've used our technology to, to actually implement QR codes, NFC barcodes and uh, label recognition. This is an example of a, a seltzer can. You can see the, the QR codes right down here on the bottom. You can see, you can do hang tags. Uh, you could also do shelf talkers. Um, so in the grocery store, you could do that um, with a QR code. and you can also put on the back label of your wine. So the last piece is kind of like how, you know, how does this relate to Bottlevin? So Bottlevin is again, a digital marketing platform that we're very mobile sent, uh, focused. And so we actually have a, in our, our, our portal, we actually have for every, right now we, we are focused with wines. And so we have a, 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 a list of wines as a winery that you can put into our platform. And for every one of those products you put into there, you can actually generate a QR code. And we do smart QR codes is what I look at them. Um, a lot of people that are doing QR codes are just um, putting in like their website URL or they're doing um, you know, a website. Uh, we like to do reusable QR codes. We, um, we like to make sure that if a QR code is generated, there's some, some thinking to behind that. And so, we uh, any QR code that we have can actually be repurposed. It can be pointed to sort of things. It can, and it and essentially with all our wine partners, their QR codes. If you scan the QR code on the back of their wine, if they if they have the app, then you'll get a bunch of detailed information on that. But even if they don't have the app, um, it will take them to a landing page that's mobile responsive that will tell you you know your tasting notes, the alcohol content, and just all the little information that you really can't fit. With a um, with a, on the label of a, of a wine label. So, those are kind of some examples in our world today. I wanted to kind of go over it. QR code is is really it's it's made a comeback. The wine industry. I know that everyone when we started talking about our platform and talking to people that uh, had a really bad um, taste with QR codes, and a lot of that had to do with the time and, and the period. And so, um, I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing this right now and go back into. So what I was getting at was that the first version of QR codes, the problem was that uh, all phones didn't support it. You had to go find an app. You had to, uh, you didn't have broadband available on every phone. I mean, people were using flip phones when they first introduced that. Um, and then, uh, and, and essentially it wasn't convenient. Now, if you look at it, everyone that has a smartphone you just have the point of QR code, your camera at the QR code, and it will actually read the information on that. So you, you, you also, every smartphone that everyone has now has broadband. So now it's fast and you can get all that information. And so, you know, as I said, we have a bunch of other cool technologies. Um, I wanted to go narrow in kind of on the QR code because that's just what a lot of people are doing right now with the pandemic. Oh, one other one I wanted to mention was like PayPal and Venmo. You actually can do payments with QR codes now too. So. Um, but I wanted to go with that. And uh, one, one thing I wanted to mention, and I'm going to introduce her next, but uh, we, uh, we actually did a consent form for Bricoler Vineyards. And uh, they have a, and Sarah can talk to this, she's coming up next, but Sarah, uh, she's been 
uh, you know, a great support, supportive bottle then. And she happens, for one, happens to use Commerce 7 and Outshinery. And so, you know, we asked her to attend this presentation with, with bottle then and kind of give her, you know, her experience of, of the winery and, and everything that's been going on. You know, they've been the early startup for the last three years. And so I'll let her take over. So I'm going to introduce uh, Sarah to you. So. Hi guys, um, like Paul said, I'm Sarah Citron. I'm one of the founders and VP of marketing here at Brickler Vineyards. Um, we are a user of Outshinery, Bottle Vin, and Commerce 7 and have been using um, all of them since the beginning of our time, since we are a new winery. And we were actually supposed to have our grand opening in this the middle of this pandemic. Um, but I'm first going to start about Outshinery and our relationship with them. We started using Outshinery in 2018. Our first vintage was 2017. And we had no bottles, no labels, no mock-ups of anything. Uh, but we were wanting to pre-market our wine since it was in barrel. And as we know, wine takes time to age. So we reached out to Outshinery and started working with them um, from an early stage. We had our labels. We sent them the PDF of that. Um, we had, you know, the colors, the concepts of all of our wines. We just didn't have the physical bottle to start promoting. So Outshinery was a great resource that we used um, to pre-market and pre-sell wine in a bottle shot standpoint, a lifestyle shot from videos, from GIFs. Um, we pretty much use them for all of our bottle photography for our entire first year. Um, they've been a great partner ever since, just uh, refreshing our bottle shot images as we add new varietals and SKUs. Um, it's been very, very easy to work with, um, with a quick return. So it's great when you want to pre-market any wine or product um, that you don't physically have with you. It is a great resource that we've utilized a lot. Um, and it's been great on our website. We upload all the images to Bottlevin and Commerce 7. So it's very easy to integrate um, and use in all marketing fronts. Uh, next, we then built a relationship with Bottlevin um, with Paul. Um, what our other founder, Mark, he has a huge sales technology background. So we are definitely leaning towards um, everything tech first. Um, and the customer experience is definitely, our customer experience is definitely technology focused. And with Bottlevin, we loved that um, the customer can scan the bottle can learn about our wines without having to go to our website, without having to have a sales um, sales member in front of them. You can, you know, purchase a bottle of wine if you want to impress your friends. You just take the bottle, scan it with your phone, all the tasting notes, all the winemaking practices, um, wine and food pairings, um, and then you can even purchase from it. It's a great, easy way um, to get information from a customer standpoint and from a sales standpoint. Uh, we, we use it in our tasting room with our sales staff as well. If our sales team needs quick tips on tasting notes or quick notes on winemaking, um, vineyard notes, it's all in bottle bin. So it's very easy to pull up and really easy to show the customer and use with them. And as Paul also discussed, we've been using bottle bin to set up all QR codes um, through our tasting room and through COVID. Uh, with COVID, you know, we've had a lot of challenges, but we've been able to use QR codes um, to do a digital menu, so it's touchless. And then we are also doing a COVID-19 consent policy form that every single customer has to scan when they enter our property and consent that they, you know, are abiding by all the COVID-19 rules and policies and that, and then we also get their customer information. So normally when someone comes in and makes a reservation, you only get the one customer, but if four people are coming, you need four consent forms and through the QR code and bottle bin, we're able to get all that customer information and input it into Commerce 7. So then we can do um, outreach 
which um, moving into Commerce 7, we uh, built a relationship with Commerce 7 last year. Before that, we are using uh, Buying Spring. And what we decided to integrate into Commerce 7, uh, because we are really looking for a good CRM um, platform. Uh, since customers are always right and always first, we wanted a really good platform that we could have put in all the customer data um, into one platform and then easily market them with you know, personalization throughout the website, personalization throughout email marketing, um, personalization with, throughout club, uh, which has been a very seamless process. And it's been nice to be able to integrate all three of the platforms that we're talking about today, um, all in Commerce 7 and Outshinery and Bottlebin. Um, and it's really helped our customer journey flow and the relationship across all channels. Love, first of all, congratulations on being so forward thinking specifically in the context of the wine world, because clearly since your brand launch, you're very mindful of the customer experience. And when COVID hit, I'm sure that you were thankful to get all of this in place. And one, um, and one thing I wanted to mention ahead. was, uh, back to what Sarah, I forgot to mention is that uh, her and, and Mark have literally, uh, all their bottles are NFC enabled. And if people don't know what NFC is, is um, it's literally the tap the phone. The most common use is Apple Pay and Google Pay when you go to a grocery store and tap to it. And so what's really cool, Mark was just a really early adopter. And there's when we worked with them initially, that was kind of the technology of choice for smartphones. And, and even Tesla cars and all these are using NFC for that technology. And so what's really cool about the Bricola is uh, wine is that it's, you literally, you take, you take the bottle, you tap it with your phone. And if you have the app, everything comes up right there. So they, again, being an early adopter is pretty cool uh, since they did that um, with, with that, you know, with that technology. Well, you're really a shining example, Sarah, of a proof of concept that it actually works. It delivers revenue and it facilitates that longevity and long-term health of the brand. Um, I have certainly learned a lot. I hope you guys that are watching and listening have as well. Um, I hope that the takeaway from this webinar would inspire you to use some of the tools that were described, or of course, all of them, that would be even better. Um, and we want you to adopt as much as you're comfortable with um, or as little, but the, the intent here for these presentations were to make your business more successful in both short and long-term and have it be kind of disaster proof. So thank you very much for watching and listening. I'm Alana Thompson. Thanks so much. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank Bye. you. Thanks again for tuning into the official podcast of Palette Exposure featuring Alona Thompson. We'll see you again next week.